0: Plus. I'm
2: back. The OG of Jets podcasting and Vlogging is back. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. This is There's Always Next Year with Brian Bassett. I'm back. The real me. Let's not make a whole thing of it. And his co-hosts. Chef Travis Milton. Today we're going to be making the students my tasty baked ziti with basil and fresh mozzarella.
3: And Josh Conrad.
2: Oh, my brother, testify.
3: On Play Like a Jet Digital. Welcome
2: back to
4: There's Always Next Year. I'm your host, Brian Bassett. And with me, as always, are Travis Milton and Josh Conrad. We are still looking our wounds on this Monday after the jets black friday game it's cyber monday guys um are feeling any better about our black friday purchases or are we feeling worse or are we just uh buying things without a uh, without remorse or or future consideration josh as we uh as as we kind of head into the holiday season in a full on depression with an under 1% chance of the jets now going to the playoffs after losing to the dolphins and the bills how you feeling Joshy?
1: uh I feel I feel like I waited in a Black Friday line for a uh seventy two dollar forty five inch high sense TV um got through, made it, wasn't thrilled about that line because it's no one's happy. no one's excited about that TV, but nope. I get home and it's dented. It's like that's how I felt is I had low expectations and then I feel like somebody kicked me in the nuts. That's how I felt on Friday. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Travis, any, uh, any concern, your purchases or, um, uh, I don't know, like, um, spending, spending, uh, blues that you, that I'm, you've partaken in over the last I'm going couple days.
3: Full mm-hmm. reckless abandon. Um, I am, I am notorious for, uh, retail therapy. Um, <laughs> I bought, I bought eight pairs of shoes, four of which were for myself. The others are, are gifts. Um. <laughs> I uh, um let's see. I bought some Star Wars stuff for myself. I bought a wonderful painting for my bathroom. That's a stormtrooper taking a shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> pretty great. That I gotta see that. I gotta see yeah, that. Yeah, it's that's pretty. Cool. Cool. How's his aim? Does, is does his aim pretty good? On the
4: pants, is there a flap? How does that work? How does that even work? Uh, it
3: looks. It looks like there's probably a butt flap. Um okay. he is sitting okay. down to pee, so the aim is out of the question. Or poop. Yeah. Whatever's going on. Um. <laughs> He's reading a newspaper. Well, you know those stormtroopers,
4: they can't aim. They can't aim very well. That's what I'm saying.
3: It's good that he takes a seat. The floor is rather dirty and looks a little moist, so he might be the fifth or sixth stormtrooper in there. Or,
1: yeah, he lives with my five-year-old twin boys who just pee everywhere.
3: (laughs) They would be great stormtroopers.
1: Yeah,
4: so. um, Do you just call him
1: the storm pooper? Like, do you just short (laughs) it, storm pooper?
4: (laughs) I like it. I, uh, I guys, I watched the game on Amazon Prime on my phone for a portion of time. I didn't have access to the main TV in the house. Uh, children were fortnighting or whatever, whatever it is the children cornholing, do days, cornholing on their Xboxes. Um, so they, but I, I was watching on my on my phone. And the best thing about the whole thing is they're like, you know, you're watching the game. And there, you know, you get the, you get the Bose commercial or you get the whatever commercial and it pops up and you're like, oh, sweet. And then it's like, scan this code now for a great Black mm-hmm. Friday deal. And I'm like, how the hell do I do this <laughs> when I'm watching this on my phone? Did anybody think about Same. this user experience? I guess not. Yeah. I tried to click on the QC, the QR code, nothing, nothing, nope. nothing, nothing. And I mean, Prime is the best thing with like the, what do they call it? The, like the radar X radar or whatever it is. Like, so you can see who's in a scene or what songs in a scene. And they didn't think about putting a hyperlink on the QR code. So good job, Amazon, maybe fix that one for next year, write a six page memo on why you need to make that link clickable for next year guys. And then fix that.
3: Do you have the same problem, Josh? Serving ham.
4: Oh yeah. Well, there you go. (laughs) Serving ham.
3: Yeah, I I did.
4: We,
1: we had the same problem. I, I, my kids were watching some Christmas movie with my in-laws. And so I was relegated to just holding my phone on my lap while I'm pretending to watch the movie with them. And if the same thing, there were, there were a couple of deals that I was like, Oh, I, I want to click in, see how much that is. And it's just a QR code on my tiny, uh, phone screen with no
4: ability to actually purchase it. So, Hey Bezos, get, get the house in order. It's right, yeah, yeah. The best thing about that whole thing is I'm going to tell you how old I am without telling you how old I am. So, when I was a senior in college in 1998, uh, I went to Internet World at the Javits Center in New York mm. City, uh, right around Christmas time. And I went to, you know, they had, you know, thousands of booths of different companies, you know, Travelocity is there in their tiny little kiosk or where uh, it was hilarious. And then uh, I went to IBM, had a massive, massive booth. And uh, so I went over there and, you know, they've got all these like, you know, nerds from their, you know, research center in Yorktown. And uh, I'm talking, I'm talking to some guys there. There was a guy, this is 1998. He was showing a, a video, like a streaming video, super low quality, super bad of like models rock walking down a runway. And he was talking about the future in which you could basically like click on the model to like basically click on the clothes that they're wearing so that you could then go and purchase it, mm. you know, on your TV you know, you could go purchase the dress or, you know, the suit or whatever that the model was wearing. And he was is showing me Stern? how you could... Yeah. I <laughs> feel like I saw this
3: in Iron Man.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yes. So th- th- this is 1998, and I was like, wow, that's awesome. And so, like, here we are a full 25 years into the future, and they still have not figured out a way to, like, hot link on TV, you know, like moving moving picture technology to, like, link it out to, like, drop something into your cart. So... So, yeah, I I think we've we've still got some ground to cover uh, in terms of innovation and uh, disruption on. uh, But anyway, uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, (laughs) What can we take from this? I I saw what are were there any silver linings from this game on Friday? I have one. Okay, that was mine. So go ahead. Yeah, I saw. I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> no, you, go take, ahead. It. you, you take it. You took it. But please, I no, no, no. About you take it all
3: the time. Nope, no, no I want not you to talk
4: about it because you know what the heck you're talking about. I don't so want to you your, your
3: thunder. You go. I,
4: my thunder is is not important. Uh, I, I have. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to. I, I don't want to conceal my thunder. I want. I want to uh, emphasize yours. So please go ahead, <laughs> sir.
3: Um, I mean, in in a big old you know just just terrible burning down house of an offensive line. Uh, you know, he didn't have any pressures. He looked great on the field. He is, uh, I don't think, I don't, I don't think he had any penalties either. If I recall, um, he has been the one bright spot of, of, of what's happened to this offensive line and the one bright spot in that game for me, to be honest, like solely. So, Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't, I didn't see anything else, but Tipman has impressed me week in week out, uh, with his blocking, with his, uh, um his his ability to 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 shift and cover um especially lake and tomlinson uh shifting to the right is not really his strong suit and uh the right side is just real bad but uh at the same time i mean he's been he has been very very solid and i i think that we it's it's the one bright spot of the future um that I think we have on the offensive line, and I'm saying this as a huge fan of of ABT and a, and a huge fan of Mekhi Becton. I, you know, the, the injury concerns are so much uh, that I don't think that you can, you can bank on, on, uh, on them in any way, shape or form, no matter how well they've played. So Titman looks durable. He looks good. He came back from injury quick. Um, he, he did very well at right guard um, when he filled in there. So I think there's some versatility there and and he is the one, Shining bright spot of the entire team in that game for me.
1: So I don't know what we're or if we're referring to the ninety nine yard hail mary as the Fail mary or the uh, Hail mary hell mary whatever whatever whichever way you want to go, people. Um, what's nice is that should erase the butt fumble um, in every montage yes. we see for the next five years. Like the butt fumble may be retired from now on, um, and so so good day for. For our friend Mark Sanchez, um, maybe we don't see him every Thanksgiving, but now we see the the fail Mary. Um, so that's yeah. one. And the other one is just for all of us. I feel like it was a bright spot for us as every viewer of that game, who at different times, it, maybe you faced imposter syndrome, maybe you feel a little bit insecure about your job title, or you're not sure if you got the grades, or if you're if you're making enough sales, whatever it is in your life where you feel like you're failing. Uh look look to look to our good friend Tim Boyle just to be reminded mm. that you could fail all the way up um to the <laughs> highest the <laughs> highest peaks of life and never be good. And he's, he's never been good. He's never been good at quarterback since he left Middletown, Connecticut. And yet he's made college teams and professional teams and now he's starting games. So um for all of us out there that feel a little bit inadequate or imposter syndrome, look to St. Tim um, for inspiration that you too can fail your way to a starting position.
4: Yeah. See Patrick Mahomes, CJ Stroud, Lamar Jackson, you know, Justin Herbert and Tim Boyle. Like they all, are in the same, you know, kind of fabled and vaunted position as starting quarterbacks. That but, speaks yeah, so
3: many volumes about Nathaniel Hackett since he's been, you know, yes. boasting about the fact that, man, I've been scouting that guy since high school. I tried to recruit him out of high school. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I wanted him in the in the NFL. I'm like, wh- okay, this is not a, a plus sign for you, bud. You were you not getting a net plus on on any of these, <laughs> these things you were boasting.
2: in that case i pronounce you lucky
0: play for free at luckylandslots.com daily bonuses are waiting no purchase necessary void were prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for
4: details play
2: like a jet play like a jet
4: i'm struggling right now to kind of out of my head pull pull off a silver lining but i mean i i think i i have one but before i do that you just saying kind of like net made me think of this i saw it must've been from Kevin Cole or someone like that uh, works for PFF, does a lot of analytics for them. Someone like him, or he was talking to somebody on Twitter, maybe Friday or Saturday. And there was some conversation about how like currently the jets offense, there's this thing called EPA expected points, like allowed or whatever, whatever it's like, it's basically, Hey, for every play for every play that this offense runs, how many points could you expect to get out of that offense? Right. So, like a really good offense would be, you know, close to one point per play. Like, that's like all probably crazy to even have that high end of number. But, you know, you would expect it to have an incremental. You know, decimal number in the positive values, right? So for each play you, you, you play, you're more likely to score points, right? That would make sense for a normal offense, right? So like, and I don't, I don't have a basis for what, what's good or bad. It doesn't really okay. matter, but it would be positive, right? You have a, a positive value of expected points on any given offensive play. Well, guess what? The Jets have, according to this conversation I saw on Twitter was like, a a negative value of 0.24 points so that means i'm not kidding so for every four plays that the offense runs for the new york jets they are losing points they're losing a point (laughs) every four plays so so like i mean that is astoundingly bad that is stink out loud bad um, that that's how bad That is me
3: happy. Yeah,
4: I know. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So that's my kind of weird, you know, <laughs> silver lining, positive. I think the other thing too is just like I think this brutal loss in embarrassing, um, you know, national kind of island game spotlight fashion just steals it for the for the year. Right? Like we we can just now, I hope, turn the page to. 2024 and and kind of how we set up this offense right for for weeks we've been talking about all the ways in which um you know this this was not you know obviously if if Aaron Rodgers plays maybe we get some different results but like you know we're gonna have to go down this road again um just based on the way the contracts are set up so how do we set up this team for maximum success in 2024 and what can we do to achieve that and i'm not really a tanking kind of guy but like you know it, it could play well for the the jets that they they get a high draft pick. they're going to get a high draft pick regardless um that starts with the falcons this this coming week um the Jets play the falcons uh you know week 13 so um the falcons are similarly a team that is struggling to find an identity i mean they have some Excellent skill position players that are, you know, used or not used in a variety of ways. They've got a head coach, Arthur Smith, who seems to be, you know, stubbornly hewing to his own script or kind of, you know, way he, in which he wants to run the offense. And for whatever reason, you know, you've got Drake London, you've got Bijan Robinson, uh, you've got Kyle Pitts and like it's not really all working for them for a variety of reasons. And, you know, quarterbacks one, Desmond Ritter or, you know, Taylor Haneke, like, um, there's a there's a lot there, so I don't. Know, do you guys have any thoughts? I, I do want to um, talk about other topics before we end here. But since we we're kind of like you know much later in the week than we n- normally would be, based on when the game was, any any specific thoughts about about this Falcons team and kind of what we can expect from them coming up, Josh? It's
1: yeah, yeah It's it's a lot of Bijan Robinson. That guy seems. Like he's he's gonna be a really, really good back, top five back for the next foreseeable future in the league. Uh, um Kyle Pitts seems like he just keeps getting forgotten. And I'm sure there's more to that story why he's not more involved in the offense. Um could be a Matt Canada in Fitz- Pittsburgh situation where if they get rid of their <laughs> offensive coordinator, suddenly he's gonna be getting 10, 12 catches a game. Who knows? Um, but, but there there does seem to be some talent on that offensive side of the ball. I don't know a ton about the Falcons other than, um, we're probably in that game, you know, low scoring relatively, hopefully, um, doesn't seem like as much of an explosive offense as we faced the last couple of weeks. Um, and so maybe, maybe there's a little bit of reprieve for the defense, not having to hold everything to no points, every single drive in order to have a chance. Um, but I would expect that we're going to struggle with B. John Robinson. That's, that's my biggest thing right now.
4: Yeah, insanely the Falcons are actually first in the NFC South, which is just insane and tells you how atrocious that that south conference <laughs> is. You've got you've got the Falcons and Saints um both tied at 5 and 6. I don't know what their, you know, divisional record is or whatever, but you know, but they're both at 5 and 6. Buccaneers at 4 and 7 and then the Panthers at a lowly 1 and 10 with the first pick in the draft that they've already given up to chicago oh and by the way they also sent dj moore to chicago to like you know so uh and they have bryce young and they have bryce Young, right that's the worst thing of all right and 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 they just they basically stepped over uh cj stroud's face you know to get Mm -hmm. to bryce young so uh okay cool good good job guys um so but yeah the, the falcons are um you know the worst league, whatever, uh you know, first, first team in, in, in football. But yeah, this team is, is littered with problems. Travis, any specific thoughts about this team?
3: I think they're going to give us a little bit of trouble. I mean, any, mm-hmm. any team that is run heavy um is going to give us trouble. Um You know, anything with bizarrely anything with, with almost like a, a Shanahan-esque kind of, of uh offense um anything that's you know run dink and dunk like that's what we can't do anything because the defense Mm -hmm. is so aggressive um I think that's why that you know you see the team play well against the Chiefs teams that want to air it out because we've got you know very aggressive defensive line scheming and we've got two great cornerbacks um and good coverage linebackers so this doesn't match up well for us, you know, a, a run heavy team, uh, that's gonna dink and dunk us. And if they do somehow get Kyle Pitts into the game, um, it's, it's an even worse case scenario for us. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to be hugely high scoring like, um, Josh was saying, but I, I do think that B. John Roberts is going to give us a lot of trouble and we're going to have a lot of, a lot of issues, um, across the middle and like that that seems to be the falcons bread and butter and that seems to be the 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 two things that we can't do much with um i and mean, granted like i'm i'm over i'm overstepping a little bit on on our run defense our run defense is pretty good but at the same time we we just we struggle a lot once the game gets going if if it's not centered around getting the quarterback um and if you know the ball is going to to the running back the whole time um i i just i don't see it I don't see it playing out well for for the defense, to be honest. Um and I think the Miami game was indicative of that. Or actually yeah, the Bills think- game. Yeah, I mean the Bills just dink mm-hmm. and dunked us all day long. Yeah. Um they they saw and, and they pretty much provided a blueprint for how to destroy this defense.
4: Yeah, and I think, yeah, when you talk about B. John Robinson, right, you know, he's a great mm-hmm. run back, great threat uh, on the ground, but you know, he's just kind of like he's very much like a brief Hall type, in that, like, for as lethal as he can be on the ground, um, he, you know, he's he's even, you know, he he's almost as dangerous, or maybe even more so dangerous, just based on other people at his position in that, and the kind of those dink and dunk, short passes, screen passes, you know, dump offs, shovels, whatever that they're gonna you get the ball to him, um, on on kind of short, you know, high percentage throws um you know you put him in a situation where all he needs to do is make one or two people miss and you know he he has that kind of home run ability so so yeah like while their offense is bad i think you know dvoa last year had them out like 25th or 26th and their defense is bad around the same 25th 26th something like that not sure what the you know kind of going into the next week will be um right when you think about the jets basically their defense matches you know like kind of negates our offense right like basically both are inept so you know where the jets could potentially score points or you know make ground or field position or however you want to term it would be in our uh defensive matchup against their offensive matchup certainly i think bijan seems to be figuring some things out i mean the biggest challenge for them in that offense is just their ability to like not turn over the ball. Desmond Ritter has been, you know, very fumble prone. Um, not so bad with the interceptions, but you know, certainly fumble prone as he, you know, kind of carries the ball a lot. So, so that, that could be, um, you know, in the Jets' favor, I guess, you know, and then I, I'm going to leave it up to the listener to figure out if you want the Jets to, to win or lose <laughs> that. But like, but what I'm saying is I think, I think the way it sets up their, their offense against our defense that would be where the difference is found and where we would kind of make make some hay against that team um josh we talk a lot in um kind of you know chat and stuff you know during the game after the game that sort of thing and you you went off i can't remember if it was during the game or shortly after the game but you had a lot to say about leadership would you like to Talk to Mm. us about leadership and some of the thoughts you had as you were watching the Jets implode on Black Friday.
1: If I, yes, if I can put on my Zig Ziglar hat for a few minutes with us and give us some axioms and and (laughs) one-liners about leadership. Um, Webster's dictionary. No, I'm not going that route. Um, There's, there are, (laughs) there are so many things I could say to keep it concise um, as we've watched the last, you know, six weeks of this season, just, Oh, in so many ways, you know. I think we had some early hope, even after Aaron Rodgers went down. The Casey game felt like, man, this team might be in it. Win the Philly game, go into the bye—that dreaded bye week. Travis gets us every friggin' year. Um, I think out of that bye, what I've realized about one Robert Sala is just that he—he he is. He has never been asked to do what he's doing right now. He's in this role for the very first time. He's a head coach in the NFL. Um, and while I do reserve some sympathy for him, I just like he's, ne- he, he looks so paralyzed by his role. Like he doesn't actually know what he's doing. And so that is coming out in every single decision. It's coming out in every single press conference. Are you going to stick with Zach? Yep. Zach's our quarterback. Are you going to stick with Zach? Yep. Zach's our quarterback. And this last week was the first time, you know, going, going back to, um, uh the end of that second Bills game, like that was the first time I think we finally started to see even just some cracks in the veneer of of Robert Sala's leadership model. Um, uh, because it, to to this point it's been very stoic with the media. Um everything in hard knocks looked very polished, everything was prepared, everything looked great. And then once you get into the dogfight of a season, he just like goes into this very like secluded mode where I, he just looks so paralyzed to me. Like he looks like he's not having fun. He looks like he doesn't know how to make a decision. And so like the decision making, like as the final decision maker, you know, we've all led things either, you know, externally, internally. Brian has led, Travis leads a kitchen. I'm leading a staff of people doing what we're doing here in New England. Like there, there are a lot of little decisions you have to make on a daily basis. Basis, and then the big decisions you have to make on a regular basis as well that lead to successful organizations. And so, successful organizations are really the it's rising and falling on the shoulders of the leader. Um, it's it's not just going to happen because you're a great recruiter. Um, you, you can look at go back to the famous Washington football team coaching tree where you've got McVeigh and you've got Shanahan. You got all these guys. You got Mike McDaniel. You got all these guys on the staff. What did they do? They went other places because the organization was a mess. And so the guys wanted out. I think we're in a similar position right now where we've got a lot of talent on this team. You have a lot of people that are looking to to make successful NFL careers. And you've got a guy at the top that doesn't really truly know how to lead them. He's never had to be the final decision maker. And so the indecision to get away from Zach Wilson week after week after week just slowly starts to erode trust in an organization where they're looking to you to make the changes that are necessary. We said it last week. Travis said it last week. He just seems like too nice of a guy. And you can lead nicely, um, but you're never going to make the hard decisions because you're you're so just keyed in on how you look and wanting Mm -hmm. to come off right and being stoic, all that stuff. I think he's leaned on that to a point in his career now that it's actually paralyzing him. And so, listen... Every single team has injuries. Every single team has personnel issues. This is not unique to the Jets. We are not cursed in the way that other teams um, other teams have injuries. Now, do they seem to compound because we have a bad organizational structure? Yeah, it feels infinitely worse. But tell me who's gotten better on this team in the last three years. Who's gotten better under Robert Sala's leadership? Who's actually improved other than Joe Douglas bringing in line. the right guys? Yeah, I yeah. mean, like – there are, in, you're right, there are There are units that have gotten better. Some of it just by proxy that we we draft Quinn and Williams. We bring in some of these guys and suddenly that team or that unit looks really, really good. But there is so little player development year over year to me at right. most of these key positions, other than additions, other than the draft. Yep. Guys are coming no, in. I, I, high I was
4: watching the Ravens game to your point last night, and I don't like the Ravens. I don't like, you know, Harbaugh down there. I think he's a whiner and, you know, lots of things, but like, you know he does the sideline interview at half and he's snappy and good you know there are players on that defense that i have i mean i try and follow football closely i have no freaking clue who these guys are on our defense and i'm just like god damn look at these guys they're out yeah. there just destroying who is queen like who is this guy like you know who, are, who is this guy who's that guy i don't know anything about these guys and i'm like they have such a good unit year in and out, year in and mm-hmm. out. Like it just does not matter who's there. They just plug them in and they play because they know how to find the right players and then they know how to employ them and then they let them know. And I, I love Mosley. Like I love, I love CJ Mosley, but like then they let him go into free agency and then they collect the third round con- compensor- uh, compensatorial pick that they use on the next, you know, player like that, right? You know, a year exactly. later. So to your point, yes, like there is this kind of like, Whenever, um, you know, golden loom of like, you know, f- you know, positive feedback loop that you get out of doing that. And I just don't know. I mean, maybe we're near getting that going. But like, you know, until we let Bryce Huff go and then get that third rounder and then, you know, turn that third rounder in two years, you know, into the player that Bryce Huff is now in you know two to three more years. Like we're never going to get there. Like, but we have to, to your point, do that fundamental work. I think you're you're exactly right there.
3: See, I, I partially disagree on the player development thing, but it mm. reinforces Josh's point if that makes any sense, yeah. yes. or at least it will hopefully when I, when right. I finish. Um, I think that you know Joe Douglas has done a phenomenal job at getting undrafted free agents and them becoming amazing, or or people's trash. But they've all been on one side of the ball. It's all been on defense. Quincy Williams, you know, he was he was on waivers. They threw him to the side. Amazing, Bryce Huff, undrafted, Um, John Franklin Myers, undrafted. They've hit their, they, they've reached their potential under Sala and Jeff Ulbrich. He knows defense; he's great at it. It's the same issue I hear people all the time, you know, just stomping. Man, I would love to have Rex back. Rex had the same issue. Mm -hmm. He, he's really great with the side of the ball that he knows, but he's really bad on the side of the ball that he doesn't know. Like he's not the offensive uh, have have just been terrible and, and the offense personnel has not been great outside of what Joe Douglas has given us. Like, I think that, I think he's great as, again, this goes back defensive coordinator. He's great at that. He is a terrible leader. My granddad always said, there's a difference between nice people and good people. Nice people will tell you what you want to hear. Good people Mm -hmm. will tell you what you don't want to hear, but what you need to hear.
1: We need to hear.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and so the whole the whole thing just comes back to
1: if you can't make key decisions in key moments, everybody else starts around you to erode trust. Um Think about the tables you've sat at, the coworkers you've had, the people that you've been leading. The moment you start letting poor performance slide. Everybody else gets their foot off the foot gets their foot off the gas pedal. Every single el- every other person goes, well, that guy's not going to have to be held to a standard, then I'm not going to be held to a standard. And so that that sort of toxicity seems to be rampant from the top of our organization all the way down, to the point that like I wonder, like w- what was the interview like with Robert Sala that made Woody Johnson so impressed? Like what was it about? Um, That process that that these guys felt like, man, this is the right guy that's going to take our team to the next level. Because to me, like, I'm a nobody, and I'm asking people that are joining our staff or people that we're interviewing, hey, tell me about your decision making process. Tell me how you make hard decisions. Tell me how you do this. Tell me how you give me examples of some of this stuff. I don't care about, oh, what are what are your weaknesses? Well, I work too hard or I care too much. Hey, tell me the last time you had to make the really hard decision and how that made you feel, because that's going to reveal to me in the trenches of hard moments what. I can expect from you and if I can't expect that you're going to make the right decision with the right instinct but I can coach it then okay Mm -hmm. but if you are paralyzed by indecision as we've seen with Zach Wilson as we've seen by so many things over and over and over again just the same answers out of Robert Sala week in and week out at first I thought it was shtick and then I'm like man I don't think he actually has an answer I think he's just hoping that Aaron Rodgers comes back and so even in that process if Aaron Rodgers seems like he's holding the 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 franchise hostage right now with, I'm going to come back in three months. I'm going to be back here before Christmas. I'm going to be back by then. I'm starting to run. And these guys are looking at him going, okay, well we just have to hold it together for four more weeks, for two more weeks, for six more weeks. Like that was a bad decision as well, just to sit on your hands and not do anything um, to bring in another quarterback. What happened to Trevor Simeon? My my guy joined the team a month ago. We've not heard his name at all. And so there are things that I feel like that are just revealing that, there is not an actual plan here other than they're hoping Aaron Rodgers can make it back and that's bad leadership and it's bleeding out to the rest of the team and I'm just telling you now like we're going to be two years from now and Brees is going to want to go and Garrett's going to want to go and Sauce is going to want to go because they're looking at this organization going no one's like to to Travis's point it's a lot of nice people around here but nobody's really good at leadership and that's going to be the crippling thing for us and so I tweeted it the other day this isn't a quarterback problem this isn't a personnel problem it's not an injury problem it's a Leadership problem, and the leadership is gonna is gonna be the thing that determines whether or not we can get over some of the challenges we have as a football organization. Now back to your regularly
3: scheduled sarcasm and jokes. <laughs> and like you said, it goes all the way to the top. Woody is not a great leader. Woody likes charisma. He, he proved yeah. it with Rex. Like he, granted, follows a different kind of charisma. He carries gravitas, but yeah. generally, people that that just live off of gravitas and charisma don't have the answers. Um, no. but typically they are smart enough to surround them people that, themselves with people that do, and I think that's one of the humongous problems. Um, but Woody, I think Woody's the biggest issue. Like he will forever be the biggest issue. I'm I'm full bore anti Woody Johnson from now till the day I die.
4: I, and I think I think that's right. I think there's definitely a, you know a magnetism that they have towards these you know brash you know, or confident, let's just say confident, whether it's an yeah. inner confidence or an outer confidence, Um, you know, and uh, like, I think they just seem drawn to that for, for good or ill. And uh yeah, it's, I mean, it's good. You need to be confident. You need to, you kind of bring people with you, but at the same time, right. If there's no gesture, if there's no substance behind it, like, you know, it's hard. So I guess I'm curious, I'm thinking about these Brees Hall comments. A lot has been made of them. And Mm -hmm. you know, some of the people who were in the room basically said, look, I don't think that this was as, you know, um, spiteful or whatever, as you know, people are making this soundbite theme about Brees Hall and his ability to get the grimy yards. But like, uh, I mean, it is still fair to question like, why are we focused on what Bruce Hall is or isn't doing when basically the line ahead of him is doing absolutely nothing. And the quarterback who played before him, you know, got, you know, free pass after free pass after free pass after free pass. So like, why, why do we feel compelled to call out that player in any former, you know, fashion? Like, is, is that something where he's trying to flex these, um, you know, I don't know, like new muscles or whatever about like how he needs to, you know, talk to the media or how he needs to talk about players or how he's trying to light a fire. Like I've told this story before, and I can't remember the exact specifics of it, but like if you, what was the movie about the 1980 um, hockey team, the the U.S. hockey team? Uh, it's like I can't remember what it's called, but it uh, doesn't matter. But like there was the player, the captain of the team was this guy Mike Ruzioni, right? And so oh, remember this was in the yeah, Miracle, yeah. thank you. Like, I don't know if this was yeah, in the Kurt movie, Russell. but I definitely heard this story preceded the movie. I heard this before the movie ever came out that the coach basically told Mike Erruzioni, if I, and I can't remember which it was, but he said, if I call you Mike, like I am speaking to you, I am giving you specific coaching direction that I want. If I yell and rant and rave and call you Erruzioni, like in practice, I say, damn it, Aruzioni! Like, I'm not talking to you. I know you're the hardest working guy out here. I'm trying to get everybody else on board with what you're doing, and so, like, you know, that's a great example of like how you coach correctly, or you know, build trust, or build a team, or build accountability. And so, like, I don't even know why I'm telling the story. I don't think that's what Robert Sala was doing in that situation, but like, it just it felt like the inverse of whatever that was. Um, And and so that's why I wanted to tell that story. So like, yeah, it was just this, I think he felt trapped and had to say something critical. Like, I don't even know. And again, maybe it wasn't even that critical, but like, how are we to read that where he won't speak ill of anyone ever? Josh.
1: I don't know. I, I, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about wanting to be liked. Like if, if that insecurity lives in you, then it's going to, it's going to, it's going to poison every relationship. It's going to poison you as a leader. It's going to poison you in collaboration. It's going to poison you every step of your life. If you're just looking to make friends, because even here's, here's the, here's the catch with it though, is six months in, you know, to a friendship and you're like, man, I love hanging out with this guy. He's always like agreeing with me and whatever. Like it just starts to become grading when that guy will not say anything that's actually constructive. You know, I'm, I'm, yeah. mm-hmm. I'm pushing my staff all the time to go, Hey, how can we make this better? How can I be better? What do you need? How can I get out of your way on stuff? And if you're not, Willing to hear some of that feedback, or push them to do that, or create the culture in which people are allowed to say things like that. Like I think now what we're hearing from Robert Sala is a little bit of sour grapes and a little bit of grasping at straws. Like just the little comments, even the last couple of weeks in his post game, um, after the Miami game, my guy just sounded broken. And so, like I said, I do have a little bit of compassion for him. But you Mm -hmm. said yes to this job, like you said yes to leading a franchise, and so um, if you're not willing to, after three weeks of Zach after after the Giants game was there anything left that they said well we think Zach still has it like why wasn't he benched after the Giants game like there's nothing that I've seen um, out of Robert Sala's decision making that makes me feel like that's a guy that I want to continue to follow and so then the brief stuff starts happening and then this is going to start happening and you're you're leading young men who are wanting to build their careers and they're just not going to want to go where you're trying to lead them right now, because I'm not even sure you know where you're trying to lead them. There's such a lack of vision um, about the type of team we want to be, the type of offense we want to run, the type of organizational structure we want to have. Like everything just seems a little bit off in every possible way. And that comes down to this place of indecision and wanting to be liked.
4: Mm. It's yeah, it's dangerous, right? It's, it's a, you know, that way. Lies, madness, kind of, kind of situation, right? Like, yeah, and and they get, I get it. This is the NFL, and you know, the tactics that you use in high school or college, like they just don't work anymore. I mean, I was at my son's football game uh, a couple weeks ago, and one of the coaches, like, you know, just. I mean, there's really never a place for this, but like, and again, this is middle schooler. So like, let's be very clear what we're talking about here. Um, One of the coaches basically like pulled a player aside who was, you know, he's not the most athletic guy. He plays on the line. And I mean, and like he, but he, this coach, he's he's not the main coach, he's an assistant coach. He puts himself in these positions where it's like, you have no room to negotiate, no room to leverage. It's just like, you do this or this, right? You do this or I'm going to yell at you, that kind of a thing um you you know you fumble a snap and um you're running a lap kind of a thing like that doesn't help you build the right skills and the right you know things that you need to know in fact it does the opposite it actually makes it worse cuz you're not actually coaching this person you're just punishing them for learning a sport right And so this one kid, he, you know, during the game, the team is up like 20 points. My son's team is up 20 points. He pulls this poor kid aside and he just starts yelling at this kid. And is just like, you got to go out there and make a block and blah, 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 blah. And this poor kid, you know, you could just see his whole spirit get crushed. And so like, and you know and it got to the point that like pence in the stands were like all right take a walk coach right like Mm -hmm. that's how bad it got like and so i'm not saying you need to do that like there's a time and a place for fear and there's a time and a place for breaking somebody down to build them up but like i just don't understand if salah has like knows what and clearly that's an example of what not what bush buttons not to push ever right but like i don't know that he knows how to Actually, motivate these guys. Other than like you're great, fly high. You know, uh, there's a lot of doubters out there. And, like we we got our haters, but like you know, you know if you know if you ain't hating, you ain't popping. Like okay, but, cool, cool. Like what are you actually doing, man? But even so, on yeah. the other
1: side of that, though, is like so the I'm thinking about Izzy Abanaconda, who someone asked him after this Miami game, hey, you know what's what's Abanaconda's availability or what's holding him back right now? And Robert Sala. Like this was, this was one of the clinchers where I went, he doesn't actually know one thing that's going on on the offensive side of the ball. He, he mentioned Izzy Abaneconda is not getting on the field because of his lack of pass protection. And I'm like, Hey, Hey, Robert, are you watching when Dalvin cook is in the game? <laughs> like, are you even watching my guy just be Billy turnstile whenever he sees some pressure? Like there's, that's not the reason why Abaneconda is not seeing the field. It just feels like one of those things you just kind of say. And so just for those right. little things that like, if you're Abaneconda today and you're going, okay, I, even if, even if he's the best nicest, most, like, I'm going to trust what my coach says. I'm going to get better at my pass protection. Like, even if he's at that level, there's that little twinge in you that's like, wait, 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 but the guy ahead of me doesn't pass protect well, but that's what's holding me back? Like, you just start – those are the little moments. You erode <laughs> trust with that one guy. And, so, like, there's no reason to me why Robert Sala should be this the coach of this team going forward. I think we're going to be stuck with him for another year. But these are the comments that make me go, this is not the guy. Um, these, are, these are all the ways that you are losing the locker room on a, on a player-by-player basis.
4: All right. We need to turn the page and talk to some other stuff. Aaron Rodgers is still – Talking about going out and playing um, at the end of the season around Christmas time—that's you know a little delayed, maybe from initial talk. Um, but like Travis, I-, I am making you coach for the day or GM for the day, pick where you want. Like, do you allow Aaron Rodgers to play a snap this season?
3: One hundred and ten percent, and it's completely and utterly selfish. <laughs>
4: We'll okay, why?
3: <laughs> because
4: so your jersey value will go up, or your 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 uh, your your baseball card will go, or your football card will go up. N-
3: no, no, it's to save my ass, um, and it's not because Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is going to win a game. Aaron Rodgers is going to prove that it doesn't matter. Like I've been saying for weeks, who is behind that line at quarterback? The problems are way further than that, and whether it be Joe Douglas. Saving his ass of going, you know what? There were injuries to the line. There's nothing, you know. We we did our best, um, you know, whatever. But for me, that that literally proves the point that that quarterback is not the issue. And again, I'm not saying this because I love Zach Wilson. Everybody knows that I don't. I am. It, it is very. <laughs> The the things are not mutually exclusive. You can't look at it and say Zach's not, or you can look at it and say Zach is not the problem, but you can also look at it and say Zach's still not good as well. Mm -hmm. But Aaron Rodgers is not going to fix anything. And until the team realizes that, until Woody sees that, until Joe sees that, none of this stuff is going to get addressed. None of this stuff is going to get fixed. We're going to keep signing Rodgers Saffold halfway through the season. And what happened to that guy? What happened to that guy? I mean, we, you, you, we we've Dude. talked about random people right. that we've signed and haven't heard anything from. We we signed that guy right after mm-hmm. ABT went down, and what he is he still just sitting on the practice squad? I mean, why why did we go do that if we haven't seen him in a game? Um, we still haven't seen Dwayne Brown back. Um, but the it's it just boils down to again, like the the problems are far more widespread than just quarterback. Put him in there show that there's more problems than that and maybe it'll save your ass as a GM probably won't save Robert Sala. Um, but I think, I think again, like I'll keep saying he's going to be there next year, unfortunately or fortunately, mm. whatever, but yeah, I throw him in a hundred percent. Yeah. And I think it's funny
4: because I've seen this Charles Robinson wrote on, I think it was on Yahoo about this um maybe Sunday. Um, and basically a lot of the reasons that he gave was that, look, you know, this is going to show, um, right. That like you, you get, you get to craft the narrative a little more for, for whatever it ends up turning being right. Oh, Rogers, you know rogers plays great then it's like oh see if we had him we would have played better yeah or rogers plays bad oh well see like it wouldn't have mattered because the offensive line you know fell apart anyway so it really really doesn't matter either way so you get to you do get more optionality i guess based on how things go or yeah or yeah you just get to say like look at this warrior gritting it out um so so it does give you optionality like I, i worry about like obviously um you know, uh, aggravating the injury and then setting it back, but right. Okay. I guess if he made it back this quickly, then, you know, what's nine months that gives him plenty of time. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know, um, Josh, any, any thoughts specifically around that, like kind of Rogers and, and his playing before we kind of jump into, how do you start to set yourself up for for the off season the, the right way? Yeah. Just
1: here, here's what I'd like to see if he's medically cleared, I've come around to the place that I do want to at least see him on a field. I think it would be kind of that last little silver lining of the season. Um, Hey, this guy's going to be back and at full strength next year. Um, And he would have been good to go um, had we been in the position without any of some of the other injuries, without um, some of the other things we're talking about, without Robert Salwa's indecision, without – just toxic culture happening. Like it does, it would be nice to see him on a football field to feel like, wow, like that is actually kind of impressive. Um, Mm. I don't want him out there in, you know, competitive moments when we're, you know, four and 11, like that would feel like just idiocy. Um, And he's running for his life in front of a line that can't block right now like that. That would probably not be great, but if he got in for a series um, and was able to actually move around the pocket a little bit, deliver some throws, and show us that, like, hey, I'm I'm actually kind of good to go now, and I'm only going to be potentially more physically healthy nine months from now, like, that would be encouraging to me. Um, so I, I want to see it, and at the same time, if it's not medically cleared or it feels a little bit of, of risk – um then it's going to be the dumbest thing in the world what is going to happen unfortunately because we are jet fans and this is this is the new york jets is he's going to get out there and blow his other achilles and that's going to feel like this is just the stupidest season we've ever been through together as fans but um if he's medically cleared sure what the heck i don't care
4: sure why not all right uh, that 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 sounds uh, yeah <laughs> what the hell right like might it's, as well it's just so, it's just it, we'll do it else's money yeah it's the old vibe exactly right. all right Let, let's just kind of very high level we're going to go through this more in depth in the weeks and months ahead but like i just want to go through like just the high beats and paces of like what the off season like right so the first stop on the off season is like who do you sign or you know restrict or whatever you know whether through um franchise tags etc that sort of thing um and so like so just let's start with kind of free agency as we go into the off season we know the needs defense just basically leave it alone as much as you can certainly you know fill back in any places where we lose as best he can, but that 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 group can effectively afford to degrade pretty pretty significantly and still be good, I wouldn't say significantly but you know can afford to degrade and still be good you know top half of, of the NFL, right So um, so the focuses has to be offensive line, offensive line, offensive line, offensive line, offensive line offensive line, you know and you know wide receiver two, um, and you know, kind of other maybe associated skill positions, maybe tight end too, but like, that's always hard to fill in free agency and or hard to draft, but anyway, neither here nor there, we do have some guys on the staff. So here we, so basically offensive line and wide receiver to me, are like the two priorities that you must address with redundancy as we go into the off season. So we get Tipman back. We see how good he is. We get AVT back. He's great when he can play, but obviously, you know, injuries are becoming an issue. Makai Beck. Great when he can play, but injuries are clearly an issue. Um, there's some other pl- pieces on the line. So let's go through free agency here and tell me who do you prioritize? I'm not going to name all the names. There's a bunch of guys that are coming off. I'll just, I'll just call out some of the either highest paid players or biggest contributing players, you know, based on their kind of snap counts or dollars, right? So Dwayne Brown, Carl Lawson, Dalvin Cook, Jordan Whitehead. Makai Beckton, Bryce Huff. So just in that group, anybody that is a we must bring those Bryce. players back. Bryce, you must bring. Bryce them back number one them. to
3: me.
4: Okay, Travis.
3: Beckton, because he's going to be affordable.
4: Okay. Yep. I, I agree. I, I, there. Well, you know, I, I don't mean, know. Probably, it, it's hard to tell. Like, I, I don't think you franchise that guy. I don't think you franchise that guy. But I think. Oh hell he, no. Yeah, maybe you can do one of those like, you know, quasi tags where it's like you get the option to, to, um, uh, to meet it, you know, to meet the, meet whatever he gets. And then, um, and then, you know, if, if you don't meet it, then you get a, you get a pick. I can't remember what that's called right now. Um, but like, yeah, you don't necessarily go for the full franchise. You do kind of that clean method. Um, what about Whitehead? Anything there? Just let him go.
3: Nope. Let him go back to Avis. Yeah. (laughs)
4: <laughs> Let him go back to Ebis. <laughs> the deep cut for for the listeners. All right,
3: uh, Quentin. Right,
4: I'm just. I can't even believe I'm saying something. Quentin. Right. Uh, Quentin Jefferson. Randall Cobb. Greg Zerline. Solomon Thomas. Connor McGovern. Anybody in there?
3: Solly. Uh, I'd re-sign Solly. Okay. Yeah, I get. Uh. Definitely
1: not the Cobb mob. Love you. Uh just never want to look mob. at your faces again. One and done. Um I listen, bring back Greg Zerline. If we're gonna if if we're gonna be a team that's trying to win games, two or three of those are gonna are coming down to a kick. Uh mm. gimme give, give me a kicker. Give me
4: Greg, give me Greg the leg back. Thirty eight year old Greg Zerline. I love it. Sure. Um, who cares? M- McGovern? McGovern? No. Mm. Let him go. Mm. Okay. All right. Yeah uh last group there again there's a bunch of other stuff but i'm not going to go through it um ashton davis thomas morstead 38 going on 39 um tim Boyle, bryce hall and then xavier newman johnson like let's i'll give you that group again there's more but those are the big ones
3: Mm. i'm gonna blow your mind here please morstead and ashton davis
4: no. Whoa! Wow!
1: <laughs> wow! His, okay. his heart
3: grew three times that day. Yep. Davis. <laughs> Davis is Davis is gonna be cheap. He's become a very good contributor on special teams, and to be honest, he is definitely. I I, I have seen improvement with him on the field, um, defensively. To be honest, like I think he's played better than Whitehead some games. Obviously, the stats no, don't necessarily. Uh, uh, or the stats are not necessarily indicative of that, but um, but no, I I would resign him. He's cheap depth, um, and he's you know he's exhibited some growth. Like I'll uh I'll 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 throw him this one. All right. Uh, currently, oh, I'm looking at the wrong year.
4: Hold on, 2024. The Jets currently rank about middle of the pack in effective cap space. Like um. You know, they're, I don't know, 20s-ish. I'm not going to do the math right here live as we're taping this. How are we for time? Do you guys have a couple more minutes? I just, I need to know before you guys need to yeah, trash a couple and run. Run-ups. Okay. Okay. So, um, middle to let's say mid 20s or something in the pack in terms of where they stand in terms of cap space. They have 18 million available to them. Top team in the league with effective cap spaces, the Titans with 85 million bottom team in the league is the saints with uh 82 million how is like, that negative possible ne- they're the saints and uh what's his name ran him into the ground a couple years ago before he Eesh. started town yeah what's his, uh shoot the dang it the oh. guy in uh denver you know what i'm talking about um the guy who had the move the kevin james movie made after him <laughs> oh, <laughs> Sean Pagan. thank you Sean kevin Pagan. James yeah movie. he ran that team into the yeah. ground hardcore um mm-hmm. all right so, and then left town. <laughs> yeah, the cap's terrible. Let me leave. Um, all right. So, so when we look at like cap savings, like in years past, it's been a total bounty, like that the Jets could have, could have, um, you know, picked up on. I- I'm going to look at just the pre June one money for like who you could get. Mm-hmm. I'll give you how, I'll give you how much. All right. CJ Mosley for 6.5, Dwayne Brown for 4.9 uh Bryce Huff for 4.3 uh but why no you don't cut him he just goes to free agency okay I guess it's like an option or something uh duh, duh, duh. Randall Cobb saved 2.6 um there, the point is there there's not a lot of money I mean I don't know what I just mentioned there that's probably under 15 million dollars worth of like cap save even if you cut all those guys and like do you really want to cut CJ Mosley like I don't know maybe maybe you do but um, but you're gonna pay fifteen million in like dead. But then like you know you've got like the once you start rolling over to like you get the post June one designations, and I can't remember how many of those you get. But like you know CJ Mosley moves from where I just told you you know five six million whatever that was to like seventeen million. So th- there are some more opportunities, but you I think you only get a couple designations for those post June ones. So there there's some. So the point is the Jets have some leverage; they can get some cap space. But like, they're going to have to restructure some players to free up more space and like eat up more space down the road if they want to be, you know, active in free agency. So, like, yeah. So give me, Adam, we can go through the names of the people, but like, are you in agreement with me that going into the draft, you want to try and see how much you can just stuff the bag in terms of
3: offensive line? Like,
4: what, how would you prioritize your free agent dollars,
3: Travis? There's not a lot available. Uh, uh there's not going to be a lot available, uh, free agent wise. And I've talked about this at, mm-hmm. at, at nausea, Length. um, yep. in the past. Like you're, you, these, these guys aren't coming available. Anyone that, that is, I mean, like Jason Kelsey is a free agent next year. Yeah. There's he's no way. There's no way he's going
4: in which comes, Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's going to, he's going to retire. Yeah. Or he's going to,
3: or he's going to play for the Eagles. That's it.
4: Those are the only yeah. options for a guy. Like
3: uh, I mean, Tyron Smith from, uh, from Dallas. Um, Andres Pete, those are about the only guys uh, that that I see that are even remotely worth going after um, and overpaying. And you're going to have to overpay for these guys, right? Oh, 100. Like, that's then that that's the problem. Like, um, it's it's definitely a commodity. You know, it's it. it Offensive line is an investment. Uh, I talk about this all the time. Like a uh, young offensive lineman, I mean, people like Tipman don't come around all the time. Like nine tenths of the time, it's a three year developmental period. Like Carter Warren will be, he's going to be solid, but he'll be solid in three years. Um, mm. That's just the 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 way that it is with with the with college football these days, and and the way things are going in the NFL. And it's you know you want to have that mix of of veterans and. Uh, you know, and rookies, and uh, you know, young guys, and and I think that we'll have that next year. The biggest thing is we've got to go after depth, like, and that's going to be the hardest thing. Like, we've got to get better depth there. Everything that we're mm-hmm. seeing right now, because we we have a paper thin depth at at the offensive line. Um, there was a lot of people out there that we could have signed and chose poorly. Uh, so, so would I, you I, rather?
4: use your resources towards like wide receiver or some other position? How would you spend it?
3: A hundred percent. Like free agency, I would go towards uh, wide receiver and safety. Don't draft another safety. Um, you know, uh, bolster the safety uh, position. Um, linebackers, I think are going to shake out. Well, defensive line, we're good. We can lose some people. Um, mm. You know, offensive line and and, you know, wide receiver are where we really, really need people and you know i th- i think that i would go a staunchly offensive line in the draft um probably even developmental quarterbacks but you know go go full bore wide receiver tight end skill positions in free agency
4: yeah i mean and if you look at those two positions that's interesting when you look at those two positions now who knows who's actually going to make it through to actual free agency but like just some names on the wide receiver side and then the safety side that are potential right Mike Evans, Odell Beckham, Curtis Samuel, man, Tyler Boyd, Michael Thomas, Dust, um, Cedric Wilson, man. Kendrick Bourne, mm. interesting, DJ Chark, man. Paris Campbell, Jamal Agnew, Nicole Hartman, Nicole Hardman, <laughs> sorry, should bring, bring it back. back. Uh, uh, Randall Cobb's going to be available, guys. Um, anyway, so like, mm. th- there's some interesting guys. You know, Marquise Brown, he's pretty old now. And then on the safety side. Micah, Micah Hyde, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Whitehead, Chuck Clark, you know, both home home uh, uh, uh Jaron Kirst, Darnold Savage Jr. with the Packers, Mike Edwards with the Chiefs, Deshaun Gibson of the 49ers. Like, there's definitely some players in this, you know, you're not going to get the top guys. You're not going to get Mike Evans and Micah Hyde or something, but like, no, but there's some, I can see there's some, back, Chuck, Chuck Clark. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good call. Yeah, I didn't mention him because I just, I didn't see it, but, uh, oh, yeah, 0.0, 0 snaps this year. For yeah, because
3: we, 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 we yeah, went after him, him in free agency and yeah, lost mm-hmm. him immediately. Yeah.
4: So he'd be interesting. Just sign him back and he's on a, you know, fairly modest deal. So, um, so anyway, uh, yeah, I think we start there. I think that's a good place. So, so we'll, we'll talk more about this in the coming weeks and drafts and that sort of thing strategies. Do we go for the quarterback? Do we go for the ovens line? We talked about it before, but this is probably a good place to end it. Guys, I hope your Black Friday purchases were better than the game in which you watched. Um uh I know, I know uh mine was I actually bought, I'm gonna tell you this, I bought these um these like Danish slippers called glare-ups. And uh this is the greatest <laughs> thing I've ever splurged. On. I don't know, ninety dollar slippers or whatever, but like I'm telling you, if if you need some slippers because your feet get cold in the wintertime, get you some glare-ups, guys. Like it's gonna it's gonna change your life.
3: Um, Do do you guys think that the Robert Sala Colgate ad will air ever again? Never, (laughs) buried.
4: (laughs) Oh man, only in my nightmares. Only in my nightmares. It's Um, gonna be like
3: Paul Stanley's uh, Folgers commercial. Uh, If you've never seen it, (laughs) go look it up. It's amazing. (laughs) Yeah,
4: yeah. Only aired in and or something like that. Oh, yep. All right, guys, you're the best uh listeners you are the best uh we will see you next week after the falcons cross your fingers for whatever outcome you would like go
3: jets